Time now for the Brent Thompson Coaches Show, where we catch up with all things Bulldogs with the head coach himself. And you can always send in your questions on Twitter with the hashtag AskCoachBT. Now let's go to downtown Charleston with the head coach of the Bulldogs, Brent Thompson, and the voice of the Bulldogs, Luke Morrow. Welcome you back to Big John's Tavern, located downtown at 251 East Bay Street, as we have another week of the coaches show at the head coach of the Bulldogs, Coach Brent Thompson, following a big win this past Saturday against VMI, as we'll talk about that. Get ready for another big game coming up this week against ETSU and everything else going on with Cyril football. Coach, good evening. How are you? Well, I'm doing well. As uh, a couple days of practice here, we still got a little bit more to do tomorrow, but uh, other than that, we've dodged the rain. We were able to get the practice in, so I'm doing all right. Well, certainly good to hear coming off that big win against VMI. You know, we've been doing the coaches show, of course, since the start of the season. And the Bulldogs, you guys started off with those two losses. But since then, two good wins at home. Plus, you bring back the Silver Shaco. So I imagine things feeling a little bit better here these last couple of weeks compared to the first two weeks of the season. Yeah, we are. We're feeling like we've, uh, you know, we've got a couple of things figured out. But it's one of those deals where uh, if you don't constantly work on those things, you're going to lose them and you're going to slide right back into where you were before. So. Uh, this week we've been doing the same thing that we did the last two weeks and uh, we're going to continue to do the same thing next week as well we'll talk a lot about the win against vmi this past saturday but you mentioned something in the past about uh, with hindsight being 2020 looking back at that charleston southern game you thought that you know maybe coastal did beat you twice now that we're further removed and your team has gone out there and played well and played Citadel football the last two weeks when you look back at the start of the season do you feel even stronger about that idea and the way that the team started this year well, yes and no. I mean, I, I did think that they exposed a few things. Now, did they have a lot of time to prep for us? Yeah, and uh, coming off of a bye week where we had extra time to prep for VMI, is, uh, there, is a, uh, there is a legitimate uh, concern there when you have more than three or four days to prepare for us. Um, but, yeah, you know, I thought they exposed us for some of the things that we were um, maybe lacking or missing in some of our tempo and maybe some of our things on the defensive side that we can clean up. Coming off this win against VMI, obviously a huge game, huge win. It's the big rivalry. You get the Shaco back after the last two matchups against them. As the head coach, can you put into context how important it was to beat VMI this past Saturday? It was huge. It was huge for our players. It was huge for us as a staff. Um, everywhere we go, you know, that's the one thing that we keep hearing. You know, when you had it for 12 straight years uh, and you lose it for 722 days, is that can be a real, um, you know, it's a real point of contention for you. So um, I, was, I was happy that we got it back. I thought we played well. And overall, I thought VMI played pretty well, too. Now, it was one of the better VMI Citadel games where I thought, you know, both teams had a legitimate chance to win, and it was uh, a great environment. You've won now the last matchup against each of the, you know, three rivals that the Citadel have. How important is that to, to do well against those teams specifically? Well, it is always around here. You know, you, you're very, uh, very unique situation here where you have a couple of rivals. I mean, you know, practically every week sometimes uh, in the Southern Conference when you've just been the oldest Southern Conference school, you've got a military school and then you've got Furman who's right up the road that used to be a uh, last game of the year kind of rivalry that they used to always play. Uh, and then Wofford's kind of more the new traditional rivalry that's, that's kind of popped up on us just because uh, it's been a battle down to the wire with those guys the last couple of years. I was watching the highlights on Twitter at Citadel Sports from Saturday's win against VMI, and I saw that they got you at the Gatorade bath at the end of that win against VMI. As uh, people, as part of the population, 99.5% of people that never experienced that, what is it like when you're on the sideline, you win that game, and you don't see it coming? They come from behind and douse you in Gatorade. Well, number one, it, it shocks you, right? I mean, it's like that. Uh, 
a couple of years ago they did the ice bass t- challenge uh-huh. or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. You at least know that's coming. Right. Like I didn't know that was coming. Uh, number one, uh, number two. After that, you feel really gross. It's it's, <laughs> it's a it's a green sticky feeling yeah. that you've got. You can't wait to get the clothes off, but uh, you're uh, you're excited because you did win. You know, and, and it's it, it was exciting and um, it just it, it, it catches you by surprise. I, I've dodged a few of them when I knew they were coming. I did not know that one was coming at all. <laughs> yeah, they got you pretty good. What about uh, just the atmosphere? You know, it was a sold out crowd, standing room only. Tickets sold out a week in advance. VMI brought uh, you know a lot of people from their school as well and, and their rats. What was it like to be back in that stadium, especially after what we went through with the pandemic and the crowds last year, and to have that full stadium crowd into it for a win on Saturday? Yeah, it was great. I mean, we had over 12,000 in there. It hasn't been that packed probably since Sanford was in 2016, where we had about 16,000 in there. Um, but a great atmosphere. It was a great day. I mean, it's always nice to see when VMI brings their part of their core, like we bring ours up there. Um, it just works. It ends up being a really uh, a good traditional game at that point. Let's talk about the offense Saturday against VMI because statistically that was the best performance for a Citadel offense in conference play going back seven years. Your offense averaged over seven yards per play against VMI. We'll get into some of the specifics, but just to start broadly, what did you like? What what was a couple of reasons why the offense was able to move the ball so well on Saturday? Well, number one is uh, we got off the football. I thought our offensive line came off, created a new line of scrimmage. Uh, when we really needed to, number one. Number two, the fullback play is we had more than one fullback available to us. We were able to rotate those two out, and, uh, you know, each of them had their big plays. Uh, And number three is we were able to stretch them deep early and and hit a big play on them. When you do that, you give yourself an opportunity to back them off of you. Um, They were going to play man coverage on us, so they were going to follow Raleigh around for the rest of the day, uh, which allowed us to be able to crack their safety a little bit more and and have the corner follow in there and get a two-for-one. Yeah, we've seen that in the last two games now. You had that long touchdown on the second play from scrimmage against North Greenville, this time to start the game from scrimmage against VMI. How important is it for your offense specifically to have that big play early on? Well, you know, in, in that particular play, we had it the year before. We had it in the spring. It was, uh, it was a drive that was going into the end zone. Uh, we didn't convert it, so we worked all week on it, and we said this is going to be there. Just give us an opportunity to hit it. And, uh, you know, felt like it was a good opportunity for us. It was um, our defense had gotten a stop. I felt good about where we were playing or how we were playing defensively. And uh, I thought it was a good opportunity to get them on their heels a little bit. And uh, it was a gut feeling more than anything else. And um, I originally had another play called in my mind. I was just going to hit kind of a, a – another one to Raleigh it was just on the uh, on the back side of it. and I said you know let's just take the home run shot here if we don't uh, we'll just at least back him up for the rest of the game and sure enough you know Raleigh gets him by about two or three steps and that's about all he needs yeah I think that's interesting because up in the booth from for this broadcaster I was complaining about the red hat being a little confused getting out in the field too late then we throw it to commercial meanwhile for you it worked out you changed the play you get that long touchdown yeah I mean you were confused I was confused out there <laughs> I, you know it's uh, it's a little nerve-wracking because you're rolling right from um, a change of possession, right? So you really have limited time at that point because you got to get your offense ready. You got to get the play called. You got to get mm-hmm. out there. Uh, they give you 25 seconds at that point, so you really got to be moving pretty quickly. Um, so when the red hat came out, I had the play ready to go. I was going to call over. But yeah, when the red hat came out, I said, "All right, you know, it gives you more time to think about." Sometimes you overanalyze mm-hmm. the play. Um, but this is the one, you know, I, I, I called up to the booth. I said, here's, here's what I'm thinking. Um, I'll change this play. And, you know, everybody up there was like, yeah, I feel good about it. Let's just take the shot on it. And uh, sure enough, it worked out for us. I've asked you every week about it, but, you know, the passing game continues to have some big plays like that. 
the Citadel now offensively, your offense is number one in FCS in yards per pass attempt. You're averaging over 11 yards per pass attempt this year. So let me ask you again about the passing attack, especially after that touchdown to Riley Webb. But the ability, what does that add to the offense when you can go for over 100, not only the great job on the ground, but then also add in over 100 yards through the air as well? Yeah, and we only had about, what do we have, two completions, yeah, three completions. Right. I mean, that, that was all we had. And, you know, the one big one helps. But the bigger one, I thought, was the third down conversion. Now, um, we didn't convert them. I think we went all the way down the, to the other end of the field, but we killed more clock. Uh, we got out of our own territory with that one. So the more that we can be efficient and proficient of being uh, a throwing team, um, the better off that we're going to be. It'll show teams that, number one, is um, you don't want to pack the box on them, and number two is even in a third and long situation, they may not always run it. Jalen Adams, your quarterback, had over 100 passing yards, over 100 rushing yards. What did you think of your quarterback's performance on Saturday? You know, I thought he had a great day. I thought he had a really good, productive day. I wish he would have scored on the long run uh, or kind of ran out of gas at the end and got caught. But uh, I tell you, the young man that caught him was moving pretty good, too, number 35 there. Um, you know, he just he caught his own option on a third and medium play and got him uh, all the way down to about the six or seven-yard line in there before we had to punch it in. But, um, you know, it played well, made some good decisions. That, that was a big check game for us as we were going to have to check off on a lot of things based upon what VMI was doing. Uh, because they, based upon the year round, they moved around quite a bit on us. Yeah, you mentioned that run for Adams. That was the longest of his career. You also had the longest career run for both Nwanze and Billings at the fullback position. So kind of like we talked about last week coming off of the North Greenville game, same idea Saturday that offensively you guys were explosive. You had some really big plays Saturday. Yeah, and we needed every one of them, and uh, we needed to hit the fullback a little bit. You know, being able to pop a 20-something yarder and a 40-something yarder at the fullback position is kind of what we've been missing. And uh, when we did hit those, it was kind of like a breath of fresh air that you don't have to call another play uh, that they actually scored on those. Logan Billings, uh, two touchdowns in his first game back, I think, in 16 Citadel games. I mean, obviously, let me state the obvious. It must have been nice to have Logan back out there on Saturday. Absolutely. And that's what we saw. That's what we saw at camp. That's what we saw two years ago when he was playing just a little bit and kind of breaking in with us. Uh, didn't know the entire offense. Had a really good camp. Ended up coming out as the starter and unfortunately got injured. But battled his way back and had a really good um, you know, breakout day for him. And hopefully he can keep it going. And also just the story, it's been written about, so you know, it's not getting too personal or bringing up his personal life, but unfortunately what he had to go through with the, uh, the pandemic, losing both grandparents. And when he scored that first touchdown, dropped down on his knees and pointed to the sky. You know, sports have a funny way of always providing those special moments. So I imagine for Logan... First game back, scores the touchdowns, an emotional moment, but a special moment for him specifically. Yeah, huge game for him and um, huge moment for him probably more than anything else. And, uh, yeah, I mean, going back a full year and then, of course, coming back off an injury, uh, things hadn't really gone his way, but he never really got down. Uh, I thought he had the best summer of a lot of our guys out there, one of the, you know, especially the guys on offense. He worked extremely hard, focused on what he had to get done, and uh, I saw it in his eyes all through summer training. Yeah, Logan with the two big touchdowns on Saturday and the Citadel's win against VMI. When we were here last week, coming off that bye week as you had some extra time, I asked you, without trying to get into the specifics about any wrinkles, you came out and used a lot of that unbalanced line shifting one of your tackles on the offensive line. So was that something that was put in specifically for this game with VMI? Yeah, it was, and it was something that uh, I wasn't sold on early. I was. Uh, we looked at it. We had... Uh, he researched it a little bit. It was a little bit more. I mean, you're placing your, your wide receiver on the backside, which those guys, um, that was probably the number one concern is you, you've got to be able to 
no, scoop back there. You got to be able to, to have some plays back to him. You got to have pass plays back to him. So you had to build a little bit more of an offensive package than I was willing to do at, the, at that moment. So when I felt comfortable with what we were doing and, and the package that was put together the week before, I said, okay, maybe we can go ahead, um, since we feel pretty comfortable about what we're doing with the other stuff, is let's add this to it. We can still rep the other stuff. We can still get a lot of looks at it. And uh, so we spent about 10 minutes a day on it for the last three or four days of the, of the week. And uh, it ended up working out well for us. We used it. You know, I thought we were going to use it in goal line and short yard situations. But it ended up being nice where we could use it in more situations. You know, it was just kind of uh, let's just see what they do and let's see what it gives us and let's see what it, you know, if, if it helps us out at all. And, and, I, and I think it did. It gave them something else to look at. You're talking about a team that lines up in a lot of different spots. You're talking about a team that shifts and moves around and slants and angles and they do a lot of different things to try to confuse your offense. You wanted to try to place a little bit of that confusion or mm-hmm. um, a little bit of in doubt on their end, you know, like, hey, I'm not really sure what's going on. Are they going to shift? Are they not going to shift? You're going from a balanced formation to an unbalanced formation. Uh, what are they going to do here? So, you know, against our kind of an offense where you got to fit gaps and you got to fit responsibilities, those things can be helpful. Now, is that the type of thing that you can move, use that moving forward as a weapon? Or once you put it out on tape, it's a little bit harder to use that against defenses? A little bit of both. You know, you'll, you'll keep it around. You'll be able to uh, break it back out again. I don't know if we'll use it this week, but uh, I certainly have it available to me this week to use uh, just in case it is something that I would like to, you know. So we're going to rep it. We're going to rep it every single week. And uh, we'll probably add to it, right? You know, we traded the tackle all day. We could trade a tight end. We could trade a wide receiver a little bit more. Uh, We can do a little bit more. We've never done that. So you're just adding something to film and adding something for preparation for defenses. Yeah, it was highly effective. Is that the type of thing that you have to make sure, you know, you have the trust or the talent on the offensive line to be able to do something like that? Well, you got to make sure that those guys know what they're doing and they know that, uh, you know, the position changes and the position adjusts for them. So you got to make sure that you've got, inexperienced bunch up there the other one is you know the abacs as well those guys uh they've got to know their job so we had an experienced bunch we had two weeks to prepare for it and um you know i felt comfortable enough with it to at least you know give it a a rep or two and then of course you know i think we ran it about eight to ten times in the second half lee glaze on our radio broadcast highlighted this multiple times and i think even brought it up to you in the post-game interview but every time vmi tried to draw closer your offense would respond it must have been great to see that as the head coach that whenever they tried to get closer, your offense always had some sort of response. And, you know, some teams, whether it's pressure or just the momentum, you know, you, you can cave in a little bit. But offensively, y- you guys continue to, to stay firm and keep that lead, push it back to double digits to get the win. You know, w- one of the things that we've been focusing on both offensively and defensively is, okay, here we are. We're down. We're up whatever it is we need to answer mm-hmm. and that's what i kept telling the offense okay we just got to answer this one we got to answer this one we got to put a drive together we got to go all right no matter what the scenario is is we've got to be able to answer the score for score or uh, put a drive together here finish this game off get a first down and you know i thought the best one was right at the end of the day and i, and I think coach walk mentioned it in, in his press conference as well and that was you know we had given up the kickoff return and unfortunately, um, you know, that set up a score for them, a pretty easy score for them. We, you know, we had a penalty on it as well. We needed to answer that drive, and we put together a nice long drive right there and uh, were able to kind of answer that score with a score. But bit more importantly is I, I thought we had two really critical fourth-down conversions in that drive. And the Citadel 
was en route to the victory against VMI this past Saturday to bring back the Silver Shaco. We'll continue to talk about that win and also start to uh, turn our attention towards the defense's performance. I will ask you about the special teams and that kick return and a whole lot more with the Citadel Bulldogs, and we'll eventually turn our attention to the upcoming game Saturday against ETSU as well. It's the Coach's Show with the head coach of the Bulldogs, Coach Brent Thompson, here at Big John's Tavern at 251 East Bay Street in downtown Charleston. The Coach's Show always brought to you by Cutwater Spirits, and we'll have more with the, next, uh, with the head coach of the Bulldogs next right here on the Citadel Sports Network. Back on the Coaches Show here at uh, Big John's Tavern, located at 251 East Bay Street. The Coaches Show brought to you by Cutwater Spirits each and every week as we're here every Wednesday night throughout the Citadel football season, recapping the big win for the Bulldogs this past Saturday against VMI with the head coach himself. And certainly I've been talking about uh, the offense throughout uh, the, the night so far with the performance this past week. But, Coach, uh, shifting gears a little bit, let's – turn our attention to uh, the defense we'll come back to the offense in a moment but let me ask you about the defense and the performance against vmi with that air force attack we talked about it last week in previewing that game and uh, the offense scored plenty of points but the defense seemed to do their job as well getting some turnovers in the second half what were your thoughts overall on the defense's performance saturday you know i thought we played well we had three turnovers which were huge two ended up ending the game for us uh one you know the the, the first interception should have ended the game we just couldn't kill it on offense but we got to the red zone and um they turned the ball over in the red zone we got a, uh, a fumble by our defense down there i thought it was it was huge and it was huge timing for us and um, we kept the ball in front of us. We defended the forward pass very well, and uh, we tackled well. So, you know, those are the things that we need to do to be able to beat those guys. Uh, it's a challenging offense, and I was, I was nervous last week. I was nervous. Uh, they spread you out. They do a good job of running it. They do a good job of throwing it. They've got 14. They got one. Two or four at quarterback can beat you. Uh, they're going to win games down the line. They beat a good Wofford team. They're going to they're going to have a chance. They got Chattanooga this week. Uh, I'd love to see them win some games down the line, of course. And I think they do have the uh, uh, the talent to do it. Yeah, you mentioned those turnovers from your defense. Five turnovers the last two weeks, and if I remember correctly, I think all five are in the second half. What has gone into that? Because obviously those have been huge plays. Point of emphasis number one. You know that was my point of emphasis to Tony in the first two weeks. I said we played eight quarters of football and have gotten zero turnovers. Well. It's been huge, and it, it, it helps your offense out. You get shorter fields that way. You get more opportunities. You get more opportunities to kill the clock, and uh, really it won us the game. Both of those turnovers at the end won us the game, and it was, it was not necessarily the secondary play, but we were getting a rush. We got a, if you watch it on film, both of them, we, we stressed the quarterback. We uh, put a little bit of pressure on them. We, we banged the ball on one of them, banged the arm on one of them, and uh, we're doing it with a, with a four-man rush, which is what uh, Tony prefers to do against those passing teams. Jacob Harris had a quiet, I think he ended up with 100 yards, but it was he a did, quiet yeah. 100, yeah. And he's a great receiver, and he's had great success against uh, your defense in the past. But, you know, was that also a point of emphasis, him specifically getting ready for this one? You know, he's tremendous. It, the one thing that we had to say to each other was this, was they're going to get their yards. There's no question about it. He's going to get his catches. Don't give him the big one, right? Mm -hmm. Just defend it, keep it in front of us, uh, know, you know, know where the weakness is, you know. Make sure that we support the weakness in some sort of a way each time. Uh, we've got to create pass rush scenarios. We've got to be able to tackle the short stuff. Uh, the number one thing that I thought we did well defensively was we handled the up-tempo. And 
led to that win against VMI. Let me ask you about a couple of defensive backs specifically. Dominic Poole was the uh, the player of the week in the Southern Conference. I asked you about him last week, and then he went out there and had probably an even better performance on Saturday. Uh, what's impressed you so far? I know I asked you last week, but let's update it. What has impressed you so far about uh, Dominic Poole so far? Well, I said it last week, number one was his confidence. I thought you, you really couldn't shake his confidence out there. And, you know, Raleigh would go out there and stress him every single day, and Raleigh would get his catches on him. But he didn't get down. He didn't, he didn't worry about it. He kept his confidence up. And sure enough, has a great day. Well, I think what it came down to with both him and Destin, our other corner, is just preparation. I thought they prepared themselves extremely well. They took it very, very seriously. They took it to heart. And, uh, you know, we competed for a lot of balls. And, and, and he got called for one PI that didn't bother him one bit. And uh, check that that was Wilson. But we defended the ball really well. Chris Beverly, another one I want to ask you about. He had 13 tackles to lead the team. Typically, if a safety has a lot of tackles, it may not be a good sign for the defense. But in this case, it seemed like Beverly was just all around the football. What did you see from Chris on Saturday? Well, number one is he's going to have to support the box a little bit. And that's what I was talking to Tony about on Sunday is, um, you know, and Bev's the guy that you want there. He's the guy that's going to make tackles. He's going to be the guy that steps up. We missed him last spring. Uh, and then, of course, he's going to make anything tackling in the secondary as well. He's going to make the break, the, the break upstairs. So when you've got a team that, that stresses you onto the perimeter and, and uh, into the secondary a little bit, you're going to require your safety to be able to come down, step into the box, and make some running back tackles as well. Let me ask you about one negative from Saturday. You brought it up in your uh, press conference on Monday, but the special teams with another long kick return allowed. What have you seen so far from your special teams uh, early in the season? You know, you know what ends up happening is uh, late in the game right there is um, on that particular one, we went down with we went, we ran down there without Raleigh, and I, I think Raleigh is a key component to that. Raleigh and Willie are the two guys that can get down the field and make tackles down there. So, uh, you know, I stress to the guys is, is Colonel Gordon came out and spoke to us uh, the Thursday before the game, and I, I gave him a few minutes, and, and he told a story about the Spartans and um, about how they got defeated there, and it was um, a story about, you know, one more, one more time. We need one more of this, one more of that, uh, one more foot, one more inch, whatever it is. We need one more guy to step up. And that's what I told the guys on Sunday. I said, you know, you're going to be exhausted at the end of the game. Raleigh runs miles in a game, right? He's, uh, you know, he's a guy that catches 78 yards. He's out there blocking every single down. He's downfield doing everything, and then he's got to get back to the huddle and everything else. He's exhausted, right? So what I need out of those guys is one more, one more time. I need one more special teams play one more time, all right? We can't go to our uh, our second or thirds on that. We need to pin those guys deep. So when we do that, we can we can get those guys down there and pin them deep. Unfortunately, what happened to us is we had two guys that got overlapped in the kickoff, and when that happens, we got pinned in there. We let it out, and, uh, you know, Bev was the only one left to be able to get it on the ground. Let me circle back to the defense because I meant to ask you about this while we were talking about the defense before, but it seemed like in specifically that first quarter, guys just came out fired up, jacked up with a lot of energy. Was it the game? Was it having two weeks off? It just seemed like, to use a cliche since you are the Citadel Bulldogs, that they just got unleashed and, you know, they were let out on the run Saturday and they came out fired up in that first quarter. Well, you know, we took it personally. We took losing the shakeup personally. We were tired of hearing about it. Number one is uh, number two. We were, you know, pent up from not having a game the week before. Um, number three is I, I felt like we uh, prepared ourselves to be have, to have the confidence to go out there and play fast and play physical and know what we're doing. We talked about the passing attack earlier, and you mentioned that third down conversion with Tyler Cherry getting his first career catch. He went for 34 yards. 
Uh, just talk a little bit about Tyler, what he brings to the offense as we got our first look at him in the uh, catch-and-run game Saturday. You know, T- Tyler was uh, not with us in the spring, but uh, came a long ways really in the last, I would say, in the last six or seven days of practice is he showed the, the catches that I saw on film as a high school player. Um, was a converted quarterback in high school to wide receiver when, uh, when we recruited him, recruited him as a wide receiver here. Uh, has tremendous hands, has got the ability to find a way to get open a little bit. And uh, really, I was impressed with the way that he has been playing over the last probably two weeks of the last season. So uh, I think moving forward as a younger guy, he's going to see a lot of time. He's going to get a lot of catches here, and he's going to get a lot of one-on-one coverage. And eventually he's going to take over for Raleigh. I had a couple of people actually ask me, so I'll ask you about Ryan McCarthy, who we did not see on the field Saturday. Is everything okay with Ryan? Yeah, Ryan is, um, you know, he was out last week, unfortunately. He and Cole both were out last week. Uh, we hope to get him out, get him back this week and, uh, or possibly next week. We'll get ready for ETSU and talk a little bit more about Citadel football and uh, the win that was this past Saturday against VMI coming up here on the Coaches Show as we're at Big John's Tavern as we are every Wednesday night for the Coaches Show throughout the football season. You can come see us at 251 East Bay Street, this bar reopening uh, just about a month ago, owned by three Citadel grads. So come out and check them out at Big John's Tavern, 251 East Bay Street in downtown Charleston. And the Coaches Show, as always, brought to you by Cutwater Spirits. We'll continue to talk Citadel football and start to look ahead towards ETSU coming up with the head coach himself, Coach Brent Thompson, here on the Coaches Show after this on the Citadel Sports Network. Back on the Coaches Show here in downtown Charleston as we're here every Wednesday night at Big John's Tavern located at 251 East Bay Street. Come check them out, on, especially when we're here on Wednesday nights, but any other night as well. One of the oldest bars in downtown Charleston, and we hang out here every Wednesday night to talk Citadel football with the head coach, Brent Thompson, as we get ready for the game this Saturday with ETSU. And the Coaches Show, by the way, is always brought to you by Cutwater Spirits. Before we get to ETSU, we'll get to some questions as well, but uh, a couple of general questions to ask you. You talked earlier about practice and the weather, and it's been so nasty here this week with the rain. Does, does that? I, I know football players obviously are tough to begin with. It's not baseball you can play in the weather, but when you get bad weather, does that influence or affect you know the schedule, um, the practice schedule or routine at all? You know, we can't let it affect us at all because at any given day, any given Saturday, we can go out there and play in the rain. And uh, we almost should welcome it at times. Now, I don't want to go out there and practice every single day of the week in the rain. But yesterday it rained pretty good. Today was a little bit more dry out there. But we've got to get used to handling a wet ball, especially when you, you pitch it around and, you, and you're dealing it around a little bit like we do. You've got to get used to it. It, it. At one time, every Thursday, we used to deal with a wet ball in a lot of our drills just so that we could get used to it and kind of get, um, as the year gets later, especially when we were living up north, is you'd have to get a little bit of an ice bucket ball in there. You'd have to get some cold hands because it, it's a completely different feel for it. So, you know, we didn't let it affect us the last two days. I try not to let it affect us at all. You know, there's some things that are just inevitable. You kind of got to dodge it, go inside or whatever. But um, you, you got to keep the guys focused. You can't let them use that as a crutch or an excuse. Somebody was uh, asking me earlier about name, image, and likeness. My question for you would just be, in the first year of this, have you noticed any difference in terms of your job this year compared to years past because of name, image, and likeness now? No, I really haven't. Is We haven't seen anything that's been, uh, you know, 
game-changing on our end of it. I, I think eventually once it does catch on, uh, you'll see a few things. Is it's um, People are still trying to figure it out at this point. Is there some state laws, there's some NCAA rules that go with it that people don't know about that you're going to have to kind of navigate and figure out? Let's get to some questions that were submitted online. And uh, online, Elsid123 said it, it was great having Billings back, of course. Uh, but asking, and I asked you about this last week, so we'll ask again since we've gone another week. Clay Harris, how is he progressing? You know, he's coming along, and there's still some things that he's got to get over yet, has not been back practicing with us yet. But um, I'm hopefully we're going to get him back here sometime soon. And uh, it's just it's, it's a matter of time. As those things take time, as a, a foot injury is um, – you know, you're constantly on it. They're not easy to deal with. Is your foot constantly is you know is, is stepped down on? Is it's a it's a hard thing. It's not like a, another limb where you're you're not really concerned about it. You can tape it up and go. Uh, other other questions submitted. Uh, how important? I mean, Logan Billings, you mentioned about his speed. How important is it to have speed at that B back position? You know, the one thing that we've been emphasizing and stressing with Coach Conti and the and the fullbacks is speed to the line of scrimmage, speed to the mesh. Is it can clean up a lot of things. Is um, there's always an old saying in wishbone football and triple option football is that is you, no matter right, right or wrong read, you've got to get four yards out of it. And uh, if you can do that, a lot of it is just kind of speed oriented. The fullback uh, should be your dominant uh, ball carrier. He should be the guy with the most yards. Uh, he should be the guy that's going to be able to pound out some yards for you. And a lot of that just comes with just the ability to be able to get to the line of scrimmage quickly. Another question that came in was asking about the rushing attack on Saturday. And I do paraphrase some of these, but let me ask you that um, – in regards to Saturday, was it part of the plan to run in between the tackles, or is that just what, how you know, the game unfolded, that that's where the offense went? You know, a, a lot of those plays are really traditionally read plays for us. Is, you know, we, we have a few predetermined fullback plays in there. We have, you know, we always carry about three or four into a game with us, but uh, a lot of those, and, and even the two scores, the two longer scores, they were, they were actually triple option plays that we just had gotten handed off. One of them, the defense has kind of stepped up the field a little bit. Uh, so I don't really know what they're going to give us going into each day. So we've got to have everything prepared. Um, you know, do we like to run the fullback? Of course, because the fullback can set everything else up for you. Um, and you've got to make them pay with the fullback in our offense. Dogfan1987 asked if this will be the week that we throw it back to the tight end in the red zone. <laughs> I don't know if it will be or not. I won't tip my hand on it there. <laughs> That's right. but, 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 but I tell you what is, uh, you, you know, Having a tight end and having some tight end options for us is always good. Um, is I, I never really traditionally ran a tight end until last year when I was kind of forced to due to a limited amount of wide receivers. And uh, it, it kind of forced me to explore a little bit more of the tight end game. Uh, I think Army does a really good job of the tight end game, and I think they can, um, they've taught me a lot about it. Looking ahead to ETSU, uh, coming off that big win against VMI, two weeks to get ready for it. It's a trophy game. You guys, you know, able to get the trophy afterwards and enjoy that win. Do you as the head coach have to guard against any sort of now emotional letdown with the follow-up to that game? Absolutely, and that was the first thing I addressed on Sunday was I was really concerned about it. We put so much into that game. It was one of our goals. We put two weeks' worth of work into that game for us. If you come out and um, – you know, and are slow to get off. I mean, that's what everybody's going to say. So we've got to prepare. Um, I, I don't know that we're there yet. We've got one more day to kind of, you know, fine, fine-tune everything. Like I told the guys today is we're not quite there yet because where we were last week at this point was three or four more practices in than we were this week. So we've got a lot of catching up to do. Uh, however, they're in the same boat. You know, they've got a short week as well. And we've got to travel up there and play. But um, I, 
the one thing about us offensively and defensively is we're going to build upon what we've already installed and put in. What about your quarterback specifically, Jalen Adams, with the return home here for Saturday against ETSU? Everybody's different. It, you can react different ways, or either you feel a little more pressure or you look forward to that opportunity. Do you do anything differently or just talk to the quarterback at all about you know, his emotions going into this one? Well, this was, this was interesting. So uh, the first time that he really had an opportunity to get on the field and play versus ETSU was 2019. So two years ago, he's out there fielding kicks for us. He's going to get a return off. And sure enough, the first one that they kicked to him, uh, I think he falls and ends up like the, on like the five or six-yard line right there. So I, I'm hoping that he kind of got all that out of him right yeah. away. Uh, and that kind of broke him into, like, hey, this is a little bit more pressure and stress on him. But uh, to be honest with you, is, uh, he's, a, he's a pretty calm guy. He uh, doesn't, doesn't really get rattled too much in there. I don't know that this is going to be treated any differently for him. It's another team out there. It's another game out there. Uh, the good thing is, is he's already, you know, he's, he's already probably uh, 12, 13 games in at this point. First true road trip. You played on the road to start yeah. the year at Coastal, but it was an up and back. Now this is leave the day before, stay in the hotel. Obviously, the team has done it before. You guys are used to going on the road. You just haven't done it yet this year. So does that change anything for this week? Has it been different at all, just getting ready to go on the road for the first time? It'll change more for the coaches than it does for the players. Like if We really run out of time. Is um, It becomes a very compressed and short week. We've got to get all of our scripts ready by Friday at – um, at seven or eight o'clock in the morning. I mean, everything's got to kind of be got to kind of be done by then. So it really pushes your week all the way back. Even Tony uh, stayed back in the office on Monday night a little bit longer than he normally did to try to get out ahead of it. Is um, I've tried to stay a little bit more ahead of my scripting because um, you got your call sheet. Your call sheet's got to be done, laminated, and ready to go by Friday morning. Where um, Friday afternoon, Friday evening, I can have my call sheet. Saturday morning, I can have my call sheet done when I'm at home. So it's a little bit different. You're really got to try to compress your week a little bit. As far as the kids are concerned, I, I think they enjoy. And we've done fairly well on the road. Is I was looking at our road record compared to our home record lately. Is um, a lot of it is just because our kids can get away and decompress sooner, and uh, that certainly does help our guys out. Since you've brought that up, you've piqued my interest about the call sheet. How different does that look on a week-to-week basis during a season? Well, is my particular call sheet, and Tony stays about the same as I've looked at his, is he's got a giant menu that he uses there. Uh, but it stays the same. You know, things are in the same order right there. He uses it more as a reference guy. Defensive guys work differently than offensive guys. Um, I don't traditionally use my call sheet too much unless I, it's a reference book for me. Uh, I keep it upstairs for the guys so that they can go through and just kind of check off what we've run, uh, what we need to look at, what would possibly work. Um, for me, I, I, I've never, ever really used a call sheet to be able to call directly off of. As you see the NFL guys in there, they've kind of got, you know, they got their highlighted spots to go to. To me, that's very challenging. It's hard in that amount of time. Um, more of a gut feel kind of a call. And it just kind of goes with the offense, more of a systematic thing. But so our call sheet generally stays the same. I try to keep things in the same order, more for those guys to be able to find things. The reason why I do a call sheet, even though I don't use one, is to lay everything out on it. it is, it's like the scripting portion of my day is I lay out, this is what I want to run here against this. Mm-hmm. And I want to see this in certain situations, in certain scenarios. And it puts it all into perspective for me and it helps me. So I, it takes me a good solid two to three hours to formulate all that in my head, put it down on an Excel spreadsheet and type it all in and make sure that everything kind of makes sense and makes, you know, to those guys upstairs, they just look it over for me. 
I always find those call sheets interesting. As, like you said, in the NFL, you know, they all are different. Bill Musgrave they used to make fun of because it was like a little note card he had. Uh, some other guys have like a cheesecake factory menu. You ever Have you ever put any thought or thought about it at all about the layout or how the call sheet actually looks or you just care about the, the plays and the stuff that's on there? No, I've changed I've changed the layout of it a couple different times as I used to like it with a lot of grid lines in it. Then the grid lines got really confusing for me. Um, I used to have different color codes for it, but I found out like, you know, purple was like a pass or something like that. And that really didn't make any sense to me. I didn't really use it anyway. So what I started to do was just say, lay it all out there. These are the, these are the scenarios that I really need to worry about. Um, like third and long is a scenario. Like, all right, here's my set of plays that I really want to call in third and long. Third and short, I really shouldn't have to have it. It's kind of like the, the gist of the offense, right? We're meant to get those yards. Um, and, and then we're a revered team, right? So we, we should be calling triple. We should be finding ways to call triple to it. Um, and then you've got your counters off the triple. You want to make sure that you're always, um, you know, having some misdirection sort of element to your offense. Uh, even though last week we didn't call one. Um, but we kept on searching. I mean, they just weren't giving us what we wanted for the, the counter plays. But they were giving us everything else. Getting back to ETSU in this road trip, uh, you know, you've been at home pretty much for the first month of the season. I know selfishly I've enjoyed it. What about for the football team? Has it been beneficial to be able to stay here for the past month? You're talking to a guy that's been here for uh, six years. Four of those years we had a hurricane, so we've gotten canceled out of at least one of those games. Uh, we pushed one of them back, so three of the games uh, we have lost a home game. We are loving the fact that we've been able to play at home, stay at home for this long. This is kind of abnormal or unusual for us. Uh, so it'll be, um, it'll be nice to kind of get out of town. It's really our only time that we as football coaches get out of town is on these um, uh, on these travel games during the course of the season. So it'll be nice to get out. Uh, the weather will be a little bit different up there. It'll be a little bit cooler up there, I think. So uh, we'll welcome the change. I think we'll enjoy getting out. Yeah, I know coaches uh, in all sports, when they have young kids at home or newborn kids, they like to get on the road and <laughs> get a good night's sleep in the hotel without some noise at home. Um, let me put you on the hot seat. Is there one particular place? Obviously, you guys aren't going out exploring the towns, but is there one particular team in the Southern Conference that you look forward to those road trips? You look forward to going to that stadium in particular? Oh, boy. There's probably not one particular team that I do like going to, going to, theirs, uh, going to their venue. I, I think, um, you know, as, as, you, as I go back through it there, Western Carolina, is, is a, it's a fun, nice trip for us. We, there's a... Uh, we stay at a golf resort up there. It's kind of nice. It's, it's, it's a welcome change for us because we're not used to the mountains. Mm -hmm. uh, when you go up there and you play during fall foliage, it's kind of nice up there. Uh, that, that, that's something that we do kind of look forward to, and it's not really a bad trip for us. Chattanooga is a great place to visit. It's a neat little town and everything, but uh, the trip is it, it's brutal. Well, ETSU is the trip this week. Uh, you know, when it comes to the schedule, you don't have really the control uh, over the conference schedule. You can try to have a little control about the non-conference and everything. So when you put the schedule together and then you had to get North Greenville in there, my question being, was this part of the plan at all to try to stay home for the month of September for the things that you could control when it comes to the non-conference schedule? Well, you know, we were supposed to go on the road and play South Carolina State. So it was nice that it worked out well that we had we were able to get North Greenville to come down here play at home, have a bye week, and then, of course, the, uh, the conference sets the conference schedule for VMI. So it ended up working out well for us. Uh, but the number one thing was for us to get Coastal Carolina on the schedule, just being that it was a close game for us, that we didn't have to leave the state, we didn't have to stay outside of um, our home hotel and those kind of things. So it made it very, very convenient for us. 
We'll talk more about ETSU coming up in our final segment before we wrap things up here tonight on the Coach's Show. Coming to you from Big John's Tavern in downtown Charleston at 251 East Bay Street, one of the longest-running bars here in downtown. Reopened you know, just about a month ago, now operated by three Citadel grads. Come check them out even when we're not here on Wednesday nights. The Coach's Show brought to you by Cutwater Spirits. One final segment as we look ahead to the game Saturday at ETSU with head coach Brent Thompson after this on the Citadel Sports Network. Final segment of the Coaches Show here as we get ready for ETSU coming up Saturday for the Citadel. They hit the road. Coming to you tonight from Big John's Tavern as we do every Wednesday with the Citadel Coaches Show from 7 to 8, located at 251 East Bay Street. The Coaches Show brought to you by Cutwater Spirits, and we're here every Wednesday night talking Citadel football. Coach, before we go here tonight, let's uh, start to dive into this game Saturday a little bit with ETSU on the road with a 4.30 kickoff. For ETSU, you go back to 2019, they had three wins that year, just one in the conference. More recently, they've been playing much better football. They've won eight of their last nine games. For your, from your perspective, what has gone into this turnaround for ETSU the last two seasons? Well, number one is they've got a quarterback now. As I, th I thought when they struggled a little bit, they were going through a little bit of turnover at quarterback. So uh, they found themselves a quarterback, same guy that played against us in the spring. And then they've got Quay Holmes, and he's a tremendous tremendous football player and uh they're gonna run the football they're big strong athletic the one thing if you even go back and you look at those games that he lost um and randy and i were talking about this i think maybe before the spring game is how many of those games were within a touchdown and, and you know that and we know that certainly on our end is we've seen that before as well and if you're losing games you know close football games you're not that far off only thing you're looking to do is maybe get a, a missing piece here and there. Uh, and as I said in my press conference, these aren't guys that, you know, they do have their fair share of transfers, but they've got homegrown, recruit their own guys, um, build their own roster. And, uh, and, and, and for the most part, you know, I think he's done a great job of doing it. Is it's, um, it's, it's a good program. It's a well-built program, even though it's a young program. And he's done it the right way. And uh, I'm happy for him. He's 5-0 right now. He's a top 25 team. This will be our second consecutive top 25 team. But it's an opportunity for us. And uh, if we go up there and play well, I think we'll have a chance. They, you mentioned the quarterback. They're scoring 38 points a game. So ETSU, that, that offense uh, so far this year has seemed to have been, uh, it's been dynamic so far. You know what they do is they, they play good team football too. Uh, against Sanford, they needed to score, what, 50 or so, you know, and, and sometimes that's what you got to do against Sanford. Um, you know, but, you know, there's other days where they'll go out and score 20, 28 points as well and be um, kind of like it was last week against Wofford. So whatever they need, they get and they create it. And they've always done a good job defensively. They've got um, big fellas up front. They've got very athletic guys in the back. And uh, the defensive coordinator does a very good job. For ETSU this year, when you look at uh, their home game so far, they, their capacity is at 120%. They've had more than sellouts, over 9,000 fans. I know Coach Bauckham says, you know, we'd rather play in sold-out stadiums than empty stadiums on the road. It helps provide some juice for our guys. You know, they, they get up for that. For your team going on the road here to ETSU, expect, a, you know, another good crowd. And, and going back to past experiences at that stadium, what is it like playing on the road there uh, from an environment standpoint as the road team? You know, it's a nice environment. It's, it's a good environment. I wouldn't say it's, um, you know, it's, it's not impossible to play in because um, it, you do have a set of stands behind you. This, the, the field is sunken a little bit there. But the majority of the fans are on the other side. It's a great uh, – I think it's a great um, 
stadium. I mean, 10,000 seats right there. It's a nice little setup there. They've got a beautiful press box, nice jumbotron there. I think they do a great job of promoting it. Um, every time that we're there, I, you know, I think it's uh, we have a good turnout there, which is nice to have our fans behind us. We always talk about your team getting off to quick starts and how that aids the offense. For ETSU this year, they've outscored their opponents 48-6 to in the first quarter. You'll be on the road going up against a ranked team. So, obviously, you always love to get off to a quick start, but is it even more important against ETSU on the road this week? It will. We need to maintain possession of the ball. This is going to be a limited possession game. Traditionally, our games with these guys are are limited possessions. They like to run the football. They like to pound it at you. They've, They've got every reason to with one of the best backs in the country. I think that um, if we can, you know, go toe-to-toe with them in the run game, it'll certainly help us out uh, and also, uh, you know, help our defense out and chew the clock a little bit. Getting ready for the ETSU game coming up Saturday, 4.30 kick. If uh, you won't be making the trip to Johnson City, you can, of course, listen to the game here locally on the radio network here locally. Uh, coverage begins at 3.30 on 102 1 FM, 14.50 AM Saturday on the road at ETSU. Uh, we were just talking about this uh, during the commercial break, but for your perspective, on the road, you're in the hotel, the late kick, 4.30. Uh, is that, uh, does that mean anything different to you? Do you, pre- do you have a preference either way about a kickoff time on the road? You know, as far as being on the road and the kick at 4.30 doesn't bother me. You know what bothers me more is just getting home at 2.30. Yeah, right. And this is something that we discuss every single year as a conference, and we try to take care of the teams that uh, do travel a lot. I mean, that's a five-hour trip up there. And, uh, you know, we try not to schedule a game at 6 o'clock, which, you know, some of our fans would prefer uh, on some of those long travel games. But, you know, it is a 4.30 kick, and we'll have an opportunity to be able to get up there, get our feet underneath us, get a good walkthrough in, get a good night's sleep. So on that end of things, um, it won't make a big difference. You know, it'll just carry over to us on Sunday more than anything. We'll get out of here on this one. What, is the, what will be the most important part? to Saturday's game. What's the biggest key for your team Saturday against ETSU? We've got to stop the run. Uh, we've got to stop the run. We've got to force them into throwing the football. And uh, it's no different than what teams want to do to us. Is they've got to be able to stop the run against us, force us into a one-dimensional game. And for us to be successful against these guys, maintain possession of the ball, create turnovers, of course, but stop the run, the run number one. Well, kickoff is at 4.30 Saturday at ETSU. You can watch it uh, or listen if you're here locally, listen uh, locally, 102.1 FM and 1450 AM with coverage beginning at 3.30 on Saturday. We'll have all the action, and uh, you can also, of course, stream that uh, online. Just head to the citycharleston.com, and you can listen to the broadcast from anywhere in the world as well. We're here every Wednesday night for the Coaches Show at Big John's Tavern, located at 251 East Bay Street in downtown Charleston. Check them out. The Coaches Show brought to you by Cutwater Spirits each and every week. The Bulldogs coming off that big win against VMI, and they get ready to take on ETSU Saturday on the road. Coach, appreciate the time as always. Wish you guys the best of luck Saturday. Thank you, Luke. I'll see you up there on Friday. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. We'll have the call starting at 3.30 on the network as the Bulldogs take on ETSU this Saturday. We'll be back here at Big John's Tavern next Wednesday for another edition of the Coaches Show with the head coach, Brent Thompson. We'll talk to you Saturday from Johnson City here on the Citadel Sports Network.